0: Please be aware, the stories, theories, reenactments, and language in this podcast are of an adult nature and can be considered disturbing, frightening, and in some cases, even offensive. Listener discretion is therefore advised. Welcome, heathens! Welcome to the world of the weird and unexplained. I'm your host, Nicole Delacroix, and together we will be investigating stories about the things that go bump in the night frighteningly imagined creatures, supernatural beings, and even some unsolved mysteries. But I promise all sorts of weirdness. So, sit back, grab your favorite drink, and prepare to be transported to today's Dark Enigma. And on today's Dark Enigma, well, we're starting to run low on listener suggestions. So if you have one, send it in so I can add it to the roster. But today's little delight is for all my friends and fans in the beautiful state of New Jersey. So, with that said, we will still be playing our drinking game. And as you know, the drinking game is only for those of us that are at home and have nowhere else to go tonight. The choice of libation, as always, my darlings, is yours. So, choose your poison accordingly. Alright, now for the game part. How about every time I say... I'm going to make you wait for it... Devil. That will be a single shot. And every time I say... You guessed it... Jersey. That's going to be a double shot. Now that the business end is out of the way, we can jump headfirst into today's Dark Enigma. So make sure your hair is extra big. Tons of hairspray. As we jump into today's Dark Enigma... And who's afraid of the Jersey Devil? Or how Jersey tamed its most prolific legend? I know you guys have been waiting for this one because I've been waiting for this one. I love the story of the Jersey Devil. The story of the Jersey Devil is an authentic folk legend, one that has an amazing origin story and, well, a number of sightings over the years the tale is as varied as the number of people who claim to have seen or heard him. For over 250 years, tales have circulated about the nocturnal ramblings of a creature emerging from the mists of a lonely, desolate marsh. As interest in the supernatural has grown, tales of the Jersey Devil have grown to blend folk belief with South Jersey history. And that's where we start our tale today. To understand the legend of the Jersey Devil, you must first understand his birthplace. It is a remote region extending 1,700 square miles across southeastern New Jersey. It is actually a giant aquifer with dense stands of white cedars. Inside, the air is calm still and cool, and the shadows are heavy. The cedar stands throughout the swamp, stains the streams red with tannin. One area of stunted trees is called the pygmy forest. While many consider it a barren wilderness, 27 varieties of orchids actually grow there. In the early days, travel was difficult for the cedar swamps, and the swamps were the biggest obstacles to overcome. Some roads are old Indian trails, others old stagecoach roads. Some roads are paved, others are sandy. And roads lead to places with names like Hog Wallow, Double Trouble, Sui Place, and Marianne Furnace. These names date back to colonial times when settlers first came to New Jersey. And the birthplace of the Jersey Devil himself is called the Pine Barrens. And one of the most famous tellings, or story, tells of a place called Leeds Point. On a stormy night in 1735, a Quaker woman gave birth to a child during a thunderstorm. The room flickered with candlelight. The wind howled. Some believed her to be a sorceress. The impoverished woman, known as Mother Leeds, was believed to have many other children, as many as 12. Some say that this child was born deformed. Some say she cursed the child because of their dire straits. Other accounts say the child was born normal and took on odd characteristics later on characteristics such as an elongated body, winged shoulders, a large horse-like head, cloven feet, and a thick tail. According to legend, the child was confined until it made its escape either through the cellar door or through the chimney, and thus the Jersey Devil was born. Now another story tells of a young Leeds Point girl who had fallen in love with a British soldier. The British had come to the region because the iron furnaces at Batstow were supplying the privateers. In 1778, the British engaged the Americans at the Battle of Chestnut Neck. The townsfolk opposed the match, calling her liaison an act of treason, and they cursed the girl. According to legend, when she later gave birth to a child, it became known as the Leeds Devil. And there's a variation on the tale that tells of a young woman who encounters a passing gypsy begging for food. She was frightened and refused, and the gypsy cursed her for her refusal, Years later, in 1850, with the curse forgotten, when the girl gave birth to her first child, a male, he became a devil and fled into the woods. Yet another famous version, in October of 1830, a resident of Vienna, New Jersey, a Mr. John Villette, was entertaining his children with a mask he had made, a mask of a monstrous face. It became a yearly tradition and was adopted by the local townsfolk. its popularity grew and was repeated late in October as parents and children alike put on scary faces and costumes. Precursor to Halloween, anyone? But tales of the devil's exploits abound. He's taken on a variety of forms. Because of the devil, crops have failed, cows stopped giving milk, and droughts ensued. He blew the tops off trees and boiled streams. He was blamed for the loss of all livestock. Some believed the devil appeared once every seven years. Others said his appearance foreshadowed disaster and even foretold of war coming. Prominent citizens or government officials were among many who had witnessed sightings of this creature. They included businessmen, postal officials, and even policemen who had seen or heard the creature and saw his tracks left in the snow. This marks the beginning of the change from local folklore to the devil's presence in regional culture. Commodore Stephen Decatur was an American naval hero in the early 19th century. According to legend, he visited the Hanover Millworks to inspect his cannonballs being forged. Yeah, I know I missed the whole joke of watching his balls being made, but I snuck it in there on you anyway. (laughs) While there, he visited a firing range and sighted a flying creature flapping its wings. He fired a cannonball directly at it. It had no effect, and the creature flew away. Joseph Bonaparte, the brother of, that's right, Napoleon Bonaparte, and former king of Spain, was reported to have seen the devil too. This incident took place in Bordentown, New Jersey, while he was game hunting in the nearby woods. The infamous Captain Kidd is also reputed to have buried treasure in Barnegat Bay. Legend has it he beheaded one of his men to guard forever his buried treasure. Accounts claim the headless pirate and the Jersey devil became friends and were seen in the evenings walking along the Atlantic and in nearby marshlands. I'm just going to say I prefer to think of them as skipping and holding hands. That's just me though. In Clayton, New Jersey, the devil was chased by a posse to the edge of a wooded area and the devil fled into the wood. The posse, afraid to pursue him, halted and declared, if you're the devil, rattle your chains. And the devil's taste, they vary. He's been seen cavorting at sea with a mermaid in 1870. He's reputed to have had a ham and egg breakfast with a Republican, Judge French. But the devil is not known to have any specific political leanings, and the devil sightings have covered great geographic distances, from Bridgeton to Haddonfield in 1859, to the New York border in 1899, and from Gloucester City to Trenton in 1909. Until this time, tales of the devil were passed by word of mouth. However, published police and newspaper accounts during a famous week in January of 1909 took the story of the devil from folk belief, To authentic folk legend. 30 different sightings in a one-week period told of the devil sailing across the Delaware River to Maryland, Pennsylvania, and Delaware. Newspaper articles created a near panic in the region. After the 1909 appearances, the scientific community was asked for possible explanations. Reportedly, science professors from Philadelphia and experts from the Smithsonian Institution thought the devil to be a prehistoric creature from the Jurassic period. Had the creature survived in nearby limestone caves? Was it a pterodactyl or a peliosaurus? New York scientists thought it to be a marsupial carnivore. Was it an extinct physiped? However, the Academy of Natural Sciences in Philadelphia could not locate any record of a living or dead species resembling the Jersey Devil. But the search was on. Superintendent Robert D. Carson of the Philadelphia Zoo offered a $10,000 reward for the devil's capture. The reward remains uncollected to this day. Animal trainers at the Arch Street Museum in Philadelphia had their own idea. For publicity purposes, they created a devil, from a kangaroo painted with green stripes adding a set of false wings. A later theory was the creature was a Sandy Hill Crane. This crane stands 4 feet high and is about 15 pounds, and it has up to an 80-inch wingspan, and its ferocity when cornered is well documented, and it gyrates when it's flying, so possibly... The devil's form has been suggested to be the blending of human and devil, as are gothic gargoyles. Devil lore began in the region about 1735, shortly after Ben Franklin's fictitious story in the Pennsylvania Gazette about a Burlington County witchcraft trial. Early folk belief was often at odds with religious or scientific doctrine in that period. But the farther north you go in New Jersey, the more benevolent the stories of the devil become. In fact, the devil had not been known to harm anyone or break any local ordinances. Servicemen from the Vietnam War era have said the devil is an anti-war symbol. Comparisons have been made between the devil, the Loch Ness Monster, and the Abominable Snowman. In 1973, he gained nationwide attention after a feature film was made entitled The Legend of Boggy Hollow. In 1996, it was reported that Berlin-based Cosmic Comics had created a a character, J.D., based on the Jersey Devil, who protects the environment and searches for truth. The official bird of New Jersey is the Eastern Ch. The state mammal is the horse. The inoperative state slogan voted in by New Jerseyans in 2006 is, come see for yourself, which sounds, not inappropriately, like something a sweaty man cutting the Cinnabon line at a turnpike rest area might shout while gesturing to his crotch. And in 1939, the Federal Writers Project anointed an entirely different kind of symbol in the WPA Guide to New Jersey, and I quote, by default, the title of official state demon has rested for nearly a century with the Leeds Devil, a friendly native of Atlantic County. Practically everyone in southern New Jersey knows of one or more persons who have seen the devil, but very few will acknowledge personal acquaintance." End quote. But, of course, we know the Leeds Devil by another name, one he was given long after his birth, the Jersey Devil. Like most folktales, there are no two identical tellings of his origin story, but the main human character is invariably Mother Leeds, the destitute outcast woman who became pregnant with an unwanted 13th child and cursed the baby. In 1735, on what has what one has to imagine was a dark and stormy night, she gave birth to a healthy normal boy who quickly transformed into an ungodly monster that flew up the chimney and out into the deep desolate forests of the Pine Barrens. It's in that densely wooded region of South Jersey, more than a million acres of which is designated as the Pinelands National Reserve, that the Leeds Devil has lurked ever since it's generally agreed that he has wings, hooves, horns, and a tail. But beyond that, his description varies. An organic Frankenstein's monster of parts, borrowed from kangaroo, goat, alligator, horse, crane, lizard, deer, bat, or even dog. That's right, sometimes a German shepherd, sometimes a collie. They can't make up their mind. So, what then is the Jersey Devil? To some, He's real and worthy of study. To some, he's an irresistibly merchandisable coffee mug or plush toy. To some, he's utterly blood curdling. To some, he's an ambassador for nature, a less photogenic Smokey the Bear, if you will. To some, he's a worthier candidate for the state quarter than Washington crossing the Delaware. But the story of the Jersey Devil is the transmutation of a disturbing urban legend that has been feared and loved, co-opted, and commodified. Like any long-surviving organism, he's eminently adaptable. If a demon sounds like an unlikely source of state pride, then you just don't know New Jersey. In 2014, the Jersey Devil made it to the Sweet 16 of N- NJ.com's true New, Jer- New Jerseyan bracket, at which point he was nearly defeated by longtime Princetonian Albert Einstein. Jersey Devil tattoos are something of a cottage industry. He's even been immortalized in a ride at New Jersey's largest theme park, well, sort of, as El Diablo. A representative for Six Flags Great Adventure explained that the coaster is located in their Mexican themed Plaza del Carnival section, hence the tip to the south of the border. Arthur Bill Sprouse calls the Jersey Devil the Kathy Griffin of cryptids, a tier above the farm team comprised of the likes of the Mongolian Deathworm and Florida Skunk Ape, but never mixing in the A list circles of Nessie and Sasquatch. Big, Bigfoot has the video and the Loch Ness Monster has that picture. Maybe it's just a PR thing. There's no consistent messaging. They're not able to decide what the Jersey Devil is and what he actually looks like. And Sprouse, who not only wrote The Domestic Life of the Jersey Devil, but may be distantly but directly related to that title character. Hint, hint. The beast's deeply implausible anatomy has costed a shot at the kind of legitimate scientific interest that intermittently bubbles up around Nessie and Sasquatch, explained by one Dr. Brian Regal, professor of history at Keene University and author of The Secret History of the Jersey Devil. And I quote, I don't think this day is ever going to come, but if we find out that Bigfoot is real, it's nothing other than an unusual primate living in North America. But with the Jersey Devil, you have a creature that in its traditional description runs so counter to evolutionary biology, a quadruped with wings? There simply isn't anything like that in the biological record anywhere, End quote. And yet, the Jersey Devil is the little cryptid that could. For a creature whose appearance has been almost entirely confined to a single, relatively tiny state, and whose purported victims are almost always farm animals, his tracks throughout pop culture are as prevalent as they were in 1909 Burlington Snow. Bruce Springsteen has a Jersey Devil song, which, well, should be a surprise to anybody. The Bronx-born, Jersey-raised rapper and producer Anthony Torres is better known by his stage name, New Jersey Devil, and the legend is the subject of a week first-season X-File episode back in 1993 in which Mulder shirks the Pine Barrens to search the inter-casino alleys of Atlantic City for what Scully calls an East Coast Bigfoot. The Extreme Ghostbusters busted him in 1997 episode of the animated series. The 1998 PlayStation game Jersey Devil has little to do with the myth beyond its name, unless Mother Leeds was in actuality a mad scientist named Dr. Knarf, with a fondness for violent mutant vegetables. Anyways... Reconceived as an historical rival of Benjamin Franklin-turned-monster, the Jersey Devil made a guest appearance on the Fox series Sleepy Hollow. In fact, if not for TV, out-of-staters might never have heard of the Jersey Devil at all. And Sprouse once said, The Jersey Devil started to jump into pop culture through the medium of these cable TV reality shows. Whether it was Animal X or Scariest Places on Earth... You really couldn't call yourself a monster series unless you did at least one episode about the Jersey Devil. Sprouse wrote in The Domestic Life of the Jersey Devil that, by the turn of the millennium, the media feedback loop had been firmly established. Television shows about the Jersey Devil prompted newspaper stories about the Jersey Devil, which then in turn prompted more TV shows but Darren Lynn Bowsman grew up far from New Jersey in Kansas City, Kansas, but his interest in cryptozoology led him to fall in love with the Jersey Devil as a child. The director of Saw 2, II, Saw 3, and Saw 4 explored his lifelong fondness for The Phantom of the Pines in 2012's The Barrens, the making of which he describes as a nine-year journey. True Blood star Stephen Moyer, plays the lead role of the patriarch of a Jersey family whose camping trip goes horribly awry as they're being tormented by you-know-what or by their increasingly unhinged dad's rabies system symptoms bleh, or possibly both. Despite his passion for the subject matter, Balsman got major, major hate upon the release of the Barons because, you know, hindsight is 2020, and there were some major mistakes made. He'd always dreamed of making the film on location in the Pine Barrens for authenticity's sake, but ultimately chose to shoot in Toronto due to budget concerns. And he said, You're making a movie about a geographical location, and you're shooting it in a forest that really looked nothing like that geographical location. It's such a desolate, sparse, awe-inspiring vastness of woods. Now, 98% of the people will never know that, will have no concept of what the Barons look like unless they actually research it like he did. But for those diehard fans, for those people that love the myth and love the lore, like a lot of New Jerseyans, it almost looks like it could have been making fun of it and not taking it seriously or trying to exploit it, when that really wasn't the case at all. Today, Bausman keeps the Jersey Devil head used in the film in his office, where it inspires considerably less terror than it used to. He said, I have a two-year-old kid that talks to it. He literally just walks in and will say hello. <laughs> the Barrens wasn't the first Jersey Devil horror movie. There was also the Pine Baron centric found footage flick, The Last Broadcast, which premiered this, the year before the Blair Witch Project, And 2012's 13th Child, which was widely panned, despite starring both Oscar and Emmy winner Cliff Robertson and Emmy and Grammy winner Robert Guillaume. Of the largely unbone chilling crop of Jervie Devil adaptations, Sprouse wrote, and I quote, the story seems to lose some of its elemental power when removed from its traditional context of grandmothers and camping trips and ghost stories told while driving through the pines. Throughout the state, the Jersey Devil's name has borne is borne by businesses of all kinds. There's Jersey Devil CrossFit in Hamilton, Jersey Devil Doggy Date here, and training in Cape May, Courthouse, Jersey Devil Sport Fishing in Fairhaven, and the Jersey Devil's Cheer Center in Morganville. Although, they're probably not in business any longer. I hate to say. The Jersey Devil seems to have earned a particularly strong following among restaurants and bars. You can order up a Jersey Devil at the Revolutionary Lounge and Cafe in Tom's River, and you'll be served a chocolate and cherry latte garnished with a cinnamon stick. The Jersey Devil Fries at Jersey City's Left Bank Burger Bar comes with buffalo sauce and blue cheese. At JD's Pub and Grill in Smithville, less than two miles from the Devil's storied birthplace of Leeds Point, you'll find both Jersey Devil chicken and a Jersey Devil burger on the menu. I'll give you one chess who JD actually is, right? When Dan Moran and Mary Dunn got into barbecue, the married couple knew they had to distinguish themselves from their largely southern competition, with a name that not only represented where they're from, but conveyed an air of bad boy intrigue. And so, Jersey Devil Barbecue, now a food truck, which you'll recognize by the unscary, smirking cartoon pig with horns and wings painted on the side, was born. They recently took a trip to Princeton where Dunn overheard an international student saying that he'd heard of the Jersey Devil, but hadn't seen one around yet. She told him he shouldn't count on it, but you know what, you never know. Brotherton Brewing, a craft brewery in Chamong, offers a Jersey Devil double IPA. While you might imagine a Jersey Devil namesake beer to be dark, dank, and difficult, their interpretation is unexpectedly fruity and sweet. It's a nice spin on the Jersey Devil. He's really not a bad guy. Or a scary figure, and he makes a great beer. The best known brand built around the Jersey Devil shares that optimistic perspective. That's right, the NHL franchise that bears his name became the state's second ever professional sports team, sidling up to the New Jersey Nets when the former Colorado Rockies moved to East Rutherford in 1982. They were renamed the New Jersey Devils after 10,000 votes were cast in a statewide contest, despite the fervent objections of certain religious hockey fans. To you guys. The mustachioed, mischievous mascot NJ Devil holds court on the ice at the Prudential Center, looking more like a generic devil than a kangaroo-goat German Shepherd, but still. The team's mascot was originally a grinning-horned hockey puck named Slapshot, but that character was retired in 1993 after the man who portrayed him was accused of improperly touching three women while in costume at games. Evil Incarnate, by contrast, seems like a more wholesome figure, don't you think? Rob Peters served as New Jersey Devil for 10 years. As a Chicago native, he'd never heard the story of the Phantom of the Pines before moving out east, and he said, As soon as I got there, everybody told me about it, as that was my job, to be the New Jersey Devil. The friendly face of the team is the farthest thing from fearsome. Every game is a whirlwind of fist bumps, skating, dance cams, t-shirt tosses, selfies, and sweet visits for New Jersey. New Jersey A lot of it is stage work, banging the drums, starting chants, climbing on railings, climbing on seats, taking pictures, messing around with opposing fans in a playful way. It always ends in a high five or a picture, so it never gets out of control. In general, NJ Devil isn't strongly associated with the legendary Jersey Devil, though the autograph cards NJ hands out to fans do feature a retelling of his birth. When they do school appearances, teachers would bring it up all the time and geography might be somewhat to blame for the disconnect between myth and mascot. New Jersey roots for the Devils, South Jersey roots for the Flyers. In other sports, it's made more sense to embrace the Jersey Devils' traditional unsavory repetition. Jamie Pitaro, a native of Morris Plains, was inducted into the National Wrestling League Hall of Fame in Hagerstown, Maryland. Among fans, he's better known by his nom de ring, the Jersey Devil which he adopted when he attended wrestling school in Hazleton, Pennsylvania. No one there could remember his name, so they called him Jersey instead. And he said, To this day, they still talk about the Jersey Devil, and the mayhem, and the havoc, and the craziness that surrounds him, and that's pretty much how I wrestled. I just left bodies everywhere. I was the number one heel at the time, and I destroyed everybody I stepped into the ring with. The legend of the Jersey Devil had been around for 300 years and it's still going strong as far as I know, and I wanted my wrestling career to be just like that. I don't want anybody to forget me, end quote. And the Jersey Devil was always a hometown favorite, but when he was competing out of state, Pitaro discovered he was automatically universally reviled. He said, nobody likes New Jersey and everybody picks on New Jersey, but so what? In the wrestling business, they say, if they like you, that's good. When you go out there and you get absolutely no reaction, that's bad. That's a problem. End quote. Among the many whose eyes and ears have led them to the opposite conclusion are that Joseph Bonaparte, Napoleon's brother, and U.S. Naval Commodore and war hero Stephen Decatur, who is said to have shot a cannonball straight at the devil. Even now, there are plenty of perfectly sane people who disagree. If not because they believe in an outright supernatural monster, then maybe in something more like an unlikely holdover from a prehistoric era, or an elusive species just beyond our scientific understanding. Whichever. It took multiple emails, phone calls, and a meeting at, where else, a diner off Route 70 for Jeff Heimbuch to convince the devil hunters to let him join. Founded in 1999, the Devil Hunters is a group of research-oriented investigators dedicated to the cryptid fielding witness reports and visiting the Pinelands and beyond in search of evidence. They also appeared on television on shows like TLC's Monster Hunters, the Travel Channel's Weird Places, and the aforementioned Scary Places on Earth. Heimbuck, now a social media marketer living in California, was a member for four and a half years before the Devil Hunters disbanded, joining in on more than half a dozen expeditions during that time. The Devil Hunters kept a huge map of New Jersey displayed on President Laura K. Luter's office door pins, color-coded to denote now promising a sighting was marked, Where in the state they'd heard an encounter with the beast. And he said, when I joined, they probably had close to three or 4,000 reports of Jersey Devil encounters that had come in over the years. Each one would be cataloged. Was it an actual sighting? Was it noises? What area of New Jersey was it coming from? There were a lot of emails from people that were accusing us of being crazy, which is fine. It happens what you going to do about it?" End quote. Russell Jog led Jersey Devil hunts of his own for 14 years, first with the Woodford Cedar Run Wildlife Refuge and then the Pine Lines Preservation Alliance, but for an entirely different reason. He only heard of the Jersey Devil legend after moving to the Golden State from his native Texas, and he said, The folklore just struck me immediately as a beautiful way to draw attention to the distinctiveness of the Pine Barrens. It could be instrumental in helping draw attention to the conservation goals, end quote. Joel, the senior lander, land steward for the New Jersey Conservation Foundation, would escort a group of about 20 people into the Wharton State Forest, where he'd recount a dramatized version of the letter legend. They'd enjoy music, a campfire, roasted marshmallows and hot dogs, and a night hike through the woods. And he said people saw the program as kind of a fun, spooky thing to do, just like people are attracted to haunted hayrides, He said. Never too spooky, though, especially not when there were kids in attendance. After nearly two centuries of relatively peaceful life in the country, the Jersey Devil as we know him was catapulted to stardom in the third week of January 1909, when sightings of the livestock terrorizing creature and his telltale hoof prints were reported by thousands, including police officers, trappers and hunters, clergy, city councilmen, firemen and housewives. Throughout the Pines, the Delaware Valley, and beyond, eyewitnesses described him as a Lewis Carroll-esque jabberwock, woozlebug, and flying death. In The Jersey Devil, the definitive 1976 volume on the cryptid, James McCloy and Ray Miller, Jr. wrote of the terror that gripped the region during this period, and I quote, "Trolleys in Trenton and New Brunswick now had armed drivers to ward off any attacks.' So numerous were the tracks in Pittman that the next Sunday ministers in the town's churches noticed a large increase in attendance, end quote. The mayor of Burlington was so distressed by the panic in his city that he reportedly ordered his police force to keep a sharp lookout for the creature and to shoot it on sight. Mobs went on the hunt and schools were shuttered down. That certainly sounds frightening, even by today's news cycle standards but Bill Sprouse, following a first-hand study of contemporary articles, took another interpretation, and I quote, the Leeds Devil story seemed to pose a special problem for newspaper editors, many of whom were simply on fire to publish stories about the monster, but who didn't want to appear batshit crazy before their own reading public. Yes, a great many accounts of Jersey Devil encounters were published at January. The cryptid Wintth the 1909 equivalent of viral, but the sarcasm and facetiousness with which they were often rendered has been largely lost in translation. Take, for instance, the illustrations that accompanied these dispatches, like a drawing of the devil with a top hat and a parasol, or standing above one of his own freshly laid eggs. There's this fundamental misunderstanding A lot of the media coverage treated it as a joke from the beginning, but it's not a joke that necessarily everyone gets. The stories have this breathless kind of panic tone at times, and then other times they're obviously very funny. The local context is everyone knows it, and nobody relatively takes it particularly seriously. The Jersey Devil has never been exactly what he seems. In fact, from its very inception, the Leeds devil myth almost certainly emerged as a political weapon to defame the family of Daniel Leeds, from whose Sprouse believes he is actually descended. This notable colonial era almanac and tract writer bitterly feuded with the Quaker community to which he once belonged. Daniel Leeds had been born a generation later. We would think of him as one of the founding fathers. For his heretical views and criticisms of Quaker beliefs, Leeds was demonized in the most literal sense of the word. Like a true kangaroo goat German Shepherd NHL mascot food truck, the Jersey Devil is all things to all people, easily imbued with seemingly incompatible meanings. He may be employed and manipulated toward goals of financial gain, environmental conservation, glory between the ropes of a wrestling ring, or simply according to personal preference. This malleability much, even in any of the legends, it doesn't speak, it doesn't give out any wisdom, you see it, people get scared, it disappears, and that's the end of it. He's this blank canvas, albeit a shrieking, clawing, and altogether unruly one, Even the X-Files saw fit to tinker with the Jersey Devil, remaking him as a feral forest woman scavenging in the big city for food. But the Jersey Devil has been depicted in so many different ways, I think some people would find it to their advantage to adopt an image of the Jersey Devil as a mischievous little imp. If you're going to do a haunted house, you want to play play it up the other way. You could have it 10 feet tall, breathing out fire, or you could have it like a cuddly stuffed animal. I think people have just done whatever they want with it, to use it for whatever their purpose may be. With the exception of the much-publicized pair of alleged sightings in Galloway in 2015, the footage looks like a stuffed rooster-slash-terrier rigged up to a pulley system. The Jersey Devil is keeping a very low profile but I wouldn't put the last nail in that coffin anytime soon. Marginalized, yet resilient, he's a quintessentially Jersey urban legend. Incubated where both New York and Philadelphia are close enough to look down their noses, where unfathomable suburban population density meets unfathomable wilderness, a creature of contradictions belongs in a state that's full of them. And with that, my darlings, we've come to the end of the episode. I thank you for joining me here today, and I hope that you'll take some time to reach out to me and share your thoughts on what you think about today's episode. You can always reach me and the show at darkenigmapodcast at gmail.com. And if you have a suggestion for a future show, you just want to tell me what you think, you need somebody to talk to, drop me a line because I do reply to every single email. Tune in next time, my darlings. See ya, my heathens. I love you mwah, 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 mwah. We don't sugarcoat shit. Uh-huh. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.